1: that's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's com. All right, everybody. So announcement time. Do you know that we are just a few short weeks away from launching our premium membership? Guys, I hope that I'm not the only one excited about this, but this has been such a labor of love. Um, Wim has been around for almost four years, guys, and it's always been a passion project. But now we are launching an official membership with so many features, so many perks and benefits, um, and just formalizing the whole membership. So we are so excited. And part of what is going to be offered, I'll give you a little teaser, is part of the membership All of our virtual events are going to be completely complimentary and part of the membership. So um, in planning this, we have so many events coming up. Um, The next one that I'll talk about just briefly, because I do want to get into this episode, it's all about gaming influencers So we've gotten a ton of requests to learn more about gaming influencers. And I will admittedly say that I am not very well versed at all in that world. But like, it is lucrative and it is huge. So we sought out an expert in this area. Her name is Irina Seamus. She works at Three Black Dot. You definitely should have heard of them. They're one of the leading um, companies in the gaming space with for influencers. So we're getting you the best of the best to just dive all in to all things gaming influencers. So if you work for an agency or you're a consultant or you just want to educate yourself on a huge part of the industry that you may not know a lot about or you know a little bit about it or even quite a bit but you just want to learn more definitely check out this event. It's going to be fantastic all you have to do is head to our website, of course, iamwim.com events. Tickets are only 20 bucks, and I will always remind you if you're an entrepreneur, write off this ticket price. And if you work for a company, make sure to expense it. Today, we're speaking with Claire Bergdorf, influencer marketing expert, social content strategist, native Texan, and new mom. She's the co-founder and client director of Laurel & Kent, a boutique startup agency based in LA and New York City that's focused on bringing social-forward creative solutions to their brand partnerships. As the former director of social content and influencer at Hyphen, And in her consulting tenure over the past three years, Claire has led strategy and execution on over 10,000 unique influencer collaborations among various digital and social activations with brands and agencies alike, including World Market, love them, (laughs) Macy's, Cody, Philosophy, Clear, Village Marketing, and many, many, many more. It was a pleasure to have her on today's episode. And uh, she is actually a hiring success story. She posted a job recruitment listing on our site and hired an incredible person. So we are so happy that we can make the connections and super happy to have her on this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. We have a really incredible guest who is joining us also from New York, but um, out on the island, and we're super happy to have her here today. Claire, welcome to the podcast. How are you? And
2: tell people where you're quarantining from. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I am quarantining out in the Hamptons ever since mid-March, and I'm here probably until October, and then who knows where we're going to end up. Totally. That's nice
1: that you're out of the city. You were in the city before COVID, right?
2: Yes. I was in New York City for 14 years from Texas. I came out from Texas when I was 18 and I had a baby on February 11th and then COVID hit and we got out of the city so that we could just have a little bit more space um, with the newborn.
1: Well, congratulations. First and foremost,
2: um, a little girl, right? Yes. A little girl. Her name is Robbie. Robbie. What a beautiful
1: name. I love that name. Is it short for, for anything?
2: Um, no, it's just R-O-B-I. And I love, um, I love a boy's name for a girl, but then also my husband's godfather passed away a couple years ago and his name is Robbie. So we kind of named her after her, oh, after him. I
1: love that name so much. I-, I loved it to start and now I love it even more. I have a, a Um, A niece, uh, Robin. So I was wondering if it was short for Robin or something like that. But I, Robbie with an I, Jesse with a Y appreciates Robbie with an I.
2: (laughs) Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I love that so much. I would love to chat. So many questions that I have for you today. I was really excited to get you on this week. You know, we're going to talk all things, uh, you know, influencer, all things, you know, women in business. Um, I love that you have a newborn at home. We recently had someone else on the podcast who was pregnant and just talking about what it's like to be, you know, a working mom. What it's like to be, uh, you know, uh, a working mom in COVID and so many complexities to that. It's a blessing to be a mom. And I I would assume that, you know, you're super excited to have her. So interesting that you had her right before like the craziest year of all time.
2: How has it been for you with just trying to juggle everything? So I was obvious. I own my own company. It's called Laurel and Kent. And before I was going to have Robbie... I really was focused on this year ahead and um, me and my business partner made this big game plan for everything that we were going to be doing. I hired a freelancer to cover for me. So I went into February feeling like really confident, like we we had it under control. And unfortunately, when I had the baby, I did have that coverage, but I did have to kind of step back into work, especially when COVID hit and our clients wanted to talk more to us directly about how they thought we should handle certain things. Um, so I did have to kind of jump back in early. I did not have a traditional maternity leave. Um, while I did have that coverage, I, you know, a couple of months after I had her, I was really kind of almost working full time again. And it's been, it's been really challenging. I, you know, I have to be honest with you. And my daughter is a great baby. She sleeps 12 hours through the night since she was six weeks old. She's mm-hmm. very chill. Um, And even with that, it's so challenging. I live with my mother-in-law right now. She helps all the time. My husband helps all the time. And even with that help, it's just a lot to juggle, especially because, you know, I'm always kind of jumping from task to task. And sometimes it's hard um, when you're trying to do something strategic and then also feed the baby five minutes later, Um, or then sit down for an hour and be able to really focus on more executional tasks. And so that's kind of been my biggest struggle is just finding the time, uh, trying to be in the right headspace. Like I've been, you know, kind of waiting to get all my work done at night. And I realized that that is not going to work all the time, like every now and then it works. Um, and I can sit down and, you know, have a cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine and get some work done at seven o'clock after I put the baby down. Um, but a lot of the times I I have that intention. And then I sit down and my brain is just, Even though I haven't been working all day, it's just, it's just like everything stops and I'm just emotionally exhausted and drained. So, um, you know, ideally in a perfect world, I could have a little help like a nanny or something, but you know, we're making it work. And luckily my business partner jumps in and helps take things off my plate. And I recently just hired someone to help me as well. Um, Right now my company is just me and my business partner, Brie um but we do have a couple contractors that we hire and i'm learning that the more i can just kind of tap them for different things and they can jump in the easier it is on me and we actually do a lot better work that way too
1: 100% and like you know good for you for managing all this but it's it's so relatable at least i can speak personally to just say like Like I've I've said this multiple times on the podcast, I have such focus issues. So I can only imagine that, you know, in your, with what you're going through right now with, you know, just having the best intentions, like you were saying, right. Where it's like, all right, I have the best intentions. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to structure my day. I'm going to put her down at this time. She's an incredible baby. So she'll stay down. And then like, I have, you know, this whole structure, I'm going to like attack work, but like you're saying, I mean, the mental energy that goes into, you know, everything prior to that time to seven o'clock or wherever you, whenever you start that, I mean, that's real. Yeah. Um, or during the day, perhaps just trying to bounce back and forth and not being able to like fully focus, you know, with a, uh, an almost five-year-old at home, it's, it's hard, it's hard and we love them, but this is such a unique time. Um, and so, you know, What, I mean, you're, you're learning, we're all learning as we go, but is there any, I'm sure that a lot of people listening can relate. Is there anything that sort of worked for you that you've been able to identify as like, oh, this has really helped me in the past few months
2: to be able to like, you know, get done what I need to do? Yeah. I mean, obviously the first thing is something I already mentioned, which is, you know, not holding on to all of your tests and telling the people around you that you need help whether that's from, you know, me asking my husband or my mother-in-law, like I really need you to watch the baby for the next two hours so I can get some stuff done. And so I'm not with her stressed out. Um, Or from a work perspective, like I said, hiring someone and giving them things to own is one way that um, I've learned to just kind of like let go a little bit of everything that's on my plate. And I find, like I said, that not only is the work better often, uh, but it gets done a lot faster (laughs) generally. Um, and then another thing I do is I try to, you know, kind of think about my tasks as like uh, in different categories, like things I have to write, like more strategic thinking. It goes in one bucket. Um, just responding to emails is another bucket. And I try to think about um, every day is different with the baby. So I try to think about like, what does today look like? And when is it going to be best for me to like sit down and write stuff versus just go through emails and kind of respond to people. Um, And I try to do those when, you know, when the time is right for me and I'm in the right headspace. You know, I've also learned that, you know, I have a lot going on and I have to give myself like a little bit of grace. And sometimes um, one thing I've really gotten good at is if I'm having trouble writing something or putting a document together or an email together for a client and it's just not coming to me, I step away from it and I do something else, whether that be go get the baby or work on something like finance stuff or um, just respond to emails. So it's more for me a matter of like, I do a lot because I own the business. I do all of our finance work. Um, I manage every project from start to finish. So I'm doing a lot of different things and wearing a lot of different hats. So the more I can kind of figure out how the tasks are different and then make sure that I'm attacking them when I'm in the right headspace has been really, really helpful. And then I would just say one other thing that I find really helpful is that um, as I'm going throughout my day, I do keep my phone on me and I look at my emails and if it's something I can respond to really quickly, I will um, like one sentence, but If it requires a little bit more thought, I just star it or flag it and I come back to it at the end of the day or first thing the next morning and I just go through all those emails at once because whenever you're juggling a lot, you can actually create more work for yourself if you're constantly like opening up your laptop, getting back on your email as opposed to just being like, okay, I'm saving that for later and then getting all those emails done at once.
1: 100%. That's such good advice and you know whether you have focus issues or not just yeah. being able to sort of time batch like to batch your time and say like I'm going to do this at once, I'm going to do that, you know, at the at the next time. I can only imagine that it just you're already thinking in that way. And so just being able to like fully focus on one thing You're just able to do it better. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So no, that's fantastic. And I love all this advice from you because I do know also that, you know, you've done a lot of of mentorship in your past, um, which I love so much. We have um, an up and coming mentorship program actually as part of WIM that we're super excited about. If I've heard anything, you know, fairly consistently from our members, it's, you know, when I'm like, you know, what else could WIM provide for you? And they're like, I would love a mentor. I was talking to somebody just the other day even, and I was like, you know, in, in deciding who's a mentor and who's a mentee, maybe the go-to would be like, oh, okay, well obviously some of the more senior people would be mentors and the, you know, the less senior people would be mentees, but I've always said, I'm like, if I could keep learning every day for the rest of my life, I will have lived a really fulfilled life. And so um, I would love to be mentored by somebody, whether they're a peer or more senior to me, so anyways, exactly. I, I, I love, you know, that you have this in your DNA as well as something that you really love. Talk to us a little bit about why you love mentoring so much and, and sort of a little bit about that journey that you've gone through.
2: Yeah, sure. So many thoughts just popped into my head, so <laughs> I kind of have a concise, uh, thoughts here, but I left an agency where I was working full time, like around three years ago, to work on my own and be a consultant because I really wanted to like take my own narrative into my, my hands, my control. Um, and I worked with a lot of different companies during that time. And I did get the opportunity to not oversee accounts, but also work with a lot of young women. Um, and it was so fun for me, mostly it's selfishly what I got out of it. And I think that that's really important. To have like a give and take, like a mentorship relationship, cannot just be, you know, one person giving advice to someone else, but it really needs to be give and take. So I kind of, as this person that was freelancing and working from home, I never really felt like I was talking to anyone all day. Like I would spend all day at home by myself, and um, you know, I would talk to my business partner and I would talk to clients, but I didn't really have um, younger women to talk to, which I was used to from my last agency. Um, and so I really love that, just being able to kind of like stay cool because I'm a little bit of a grandma sometimes um, and just kind of like stay in touch with what what they're, what they're doing and what they think is cool and the influencers that they love the most. Um, so for me, it was really fulfilling in that regard. But also I've been in a lot of their situations, so I know how they're feeling. And through the mentorship relationships that I have, it was really more about like building confidence um, and helping them work through issues. And so I think, you know, one of the things that you were talking about was, you know, what does that look like and who is supposed to mentor who and that kind of thing. One of the things that I really noticed is that a lot of these young women don't feel like they have someone that they can talk to. And a lot of times they may, when they say mentor, I don't think they think about it necessarily in the way that like maybe someone 10 or 15 years would, where like, you know, a mentor is like an older white guy who, you know, helps guide you and tells you to play golf and connects you with like, you know, your first job out of college or something like that. Um, Whereas the relationships that I had were much more about um, kind of being this person that wasn't their boss, wasn't the owner of the company. Um, wasn't on their team where they could be really open and honest and say like, I don't understand what I'm doing, or I don't know how to write influencer strategy. um, And I could help them work through those things. Or a lot of times, you know, we as just like a generation and younger generations than mine as well, are so overwhelmed with everything that's on their phone and work and always being connected and not feeling like they can you know, really take time for themselves. And so in that they just turn into like being really overwhelmed, really stressed out. And when that happens, mistakes start happening. And when mistakes starts happening, unfortunately people get kind of in trouble at work and then their confidence breaks down and it's like a disaster. So um, what I was really helping to do is like help them work through those issues, help them figure out if there's a problem or a challenge with an account, like how can we um, solve for it? How can we put together documentation that is going to explain how we're solving for it and talk to the clients about it, Um, but also just, you know, helping them kind of, like I said, at the beginning of this, like, okay, let's look at everything that you have on your plate. And we would write it all out together. And then we'd figure out what was the biggest priority, where the biggest challenges were, and we would focus in on those areas. Um, And it was really fun for me, but I think helpful for them.
1: I love that. Just even being able to have like a second set of eyes yeah, who's like clued in on what you're doing, yeah. um, who cares. Um, you know, there's, there's so much value in that. I mean, it's, it's just, it's also the, I, and I, you know, it's also the idea that just of women supporting each other. Um, yeah. and I love that you're talking about too, that it's like a two-way relationship. And, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that, people who are looking to be mentored, like the mentees, mm-hmm. I hope that they really hear that um, mm-hmm. because I, I, I think that's brilliant. I think that when they go into that sort of dynamic, they should keep that in mind. Um, we had someone, uh, Karen Spencer, who is from a company called Whaler. Um, she was on the podcast recently. I actually, she did an event for us too. I can't remember if it was the podcast where she had mentioned this or the event, but she was saying something like, you know, I I I don't like when people reach out on LinkedIn and is like, can I buy you a coffee and like an exchange to just chat with you. She's like, I can afford my own coffee. Like, like, and and you know, is there something of value that you could give me? Can it be more of a two way conversation, uh, a value prop? She's like, you know. I'm a I'm a really busy person and and you know I would love to hear your perspective on um, on TikTok or like just your ideas like let's not even have it be a status thing she wasn't expressing that at all like there's there's information to be exchanged it's not just a one way conversation um, and I think that it's also very interesting don't you think in the in the social media world because it's sort of like flipped the whole seniority thing on its head. And what I mean by that is like the younger generation has usually been so much more um, in touch with the capabilities of it, the power of it, like they really get it. There's so much value that just innately, you know, being from a younger generation and just being growing up in that brings. Um, And so just to understand that it's a two-way conversation, there's value being exchanged each way. And just to imagine also you know, how much more powerful that relationship can be if you're really able to connect with the mentor and the mentee, because you're both really teaching each other.
2: How huge is that? Yeah. One example, you know, I, I just recently hired someone to help me and I love to be really open to their ideas. And so, um, I was kind of walking through our strategy that we're doing for a holiday program with one of our clients. And I asked her opinion. I I said, I've been in the industry for over 10 years. Um, I've been executing with influencers forever, it feels like. But you look at this and you tell me, "Like, do you understand what I'm talking about when I'm pitching reels to influencers? Like, Are they going to know what I want? And she really helped me restructure our creative brief and basically part of the strategy and what we were asking them to do. So I think it's also just about an openness to a different kind of relationship than what I think a lot of people think of when they think of a mentor-mentee relationship.
1: A hundred percent. And I think that we're like, we're at least in the same generation, you and I, perhaps (laughs) similar age. And, you know, I had mentors for sure, but Mm -hmm. in full transparency, it probably was more that old school mentorship sort of situation where it was sort of like, I know what to do and I'm going to teach you and you just need to follow it this way. And like, you're welcome. (laughs) What was your experience? Did you have mentors, you know, early on in your
2: career and you know, what was it like for you? Yeah. I, so I'm not sure that I would call him a mentor. Um, He was more of an advocate for me. I met him very early on. He was my first boss when I was at Deutsch Um, and he really helped elevate me in all of my roles. I left Deutsch and went to another company with him. Um, And he was never really directly my boss, but he was always kind of there and helping guide me in the right direction, but also just being an advocate for me. And thankfully, um, through that relationship, I was able to actually become a freelancer because whenever I quit my last job, he had already moved on to a different agency that I've been working for for a while um, as a consultant. Um, and I messaged him and I just said, Hey, I'm going to be a freelancer now. Let me know when you need help. And he was like, I have three projects we can put you on right now. Um, so he was more of an advocate for me and kind of pushing me forward. Um, I never really had like a very direct mentor relationship with anyone. I'd love to, I think, but maybe not in that kind of more traditional sense.
1: For sure. I'd love to chat though about, you know, going from such a large company, you know, we we heard about your career path in the intro to this podcast for sure. I guess I'd love to hear more in your own words because what I'd love to ask about is, you know, this transition from working for such a large agency to then going freelance to then, you know, having it be you and your business partner um, yeah. and a hire that you just made. Congratulations. Um, and just sort of learning about your career path and all that that entails.
2: Yeah, so like I said, I worked at Deutsch for about two years. I was an assistant account executive um, and I worked on like pharma accounts. So I wasn't really in love with that part of the business, but at that bigger agency, I think what was really valuable was just really being able to see how older, bigger agencies worked. Um, you know, there's very specific departments, there's production teams and creative teams and strategy teams and account teams and everything kind of works like a well oiled machine. And so um, I was able to kind of see the process that was really relevant for the past like 50, 60 years. Um, And also there were a lot of people my age when I started there, you know, there's probably like 50 account executives or something. So there was a lot of like peer-to-peer interaction, which was really valuable. But I left there to go work at an agency that was based in Los Angeles that was more of a digital social agency um, that you could probably call more of a startup. Um, And so in that transition, one, I really wanted to invest in social um, and digital. I wanted to work for a smaller team where I wouldn't just be like the uh, assistant account executive pharma girl Um, And I was able to there really expand upon all the different things that I was going to be doing and learning about and now have kind of mastered. So uh, I did a lot of new business. I did strategy, creative. I worked with um, developers. Uh, My business partner actually worked there with me. We built the very first social ads that ever were on Facebook. Um, We did a lot of different types of of work and wore a lot of different hats there. But you know, we ended up leaving because we, like I said, I really wanted to take control of my own narrative and there, it just wasn't happening. The company had been bought out. Um, The mission of the company was changing and I felt like my work and my contributions were getting lost. Um, So I decided to leave and work for myself. I also really didn't want to commute anymore. Um, that company was in the Empire State Building, and I just really didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I decided to kind of go out on my own and see if I could make it work. Luckily, I found work really easily, even though I'm not naturally a good networker. Um, some of that work came from that that person that was my advocate. Um, but then also someone reached out to me that was a recruiter. I had turned on my on LinkedIn um the little like looking for opportunities button. And I got a lot of outreach and I actually took all of the calls, even though they were all trying to place full-time positions. And a lot of time, the positions weren't really relevant to my skill set. They were often more junior, Um, but I would take all the calls and talk to them about me. And then I would offer my contractor services. And a few of those opportunities ended up working out. One of them turned into a a company that I worked with for over two years. Um, So we did that. And then luckily, you know, one of our past clients, um, I mean, anyone that goes to our Instagram would see that we work with World Market, um, reached out to Bree and I, and they wanted to bring us in um, and we were able to form our company. So last year was really focused. on on that business um, while we were both consulting on our own. And now this year, we're both really focused on growing Laurel and Kent.
1: Um, What a cool story that is. And it's also like incredible to hear that, you know, you you found the success that you were looking for, you know, it can be, I can imagine um, I've gone through something similar, but not exactly at all. So I can, I can imagine that it would be scary to transition from, a cushy, comfortable job at a large agency, um, Mm -hmm. to going freelance and then opening your own, you know, company where um, you have a business partner to be accountable to. Right. I mean, you have that support, but you also have, you know, you're holding each other, you're keeping each other honest (laughs) with all the work that you're doing. Um, what is it like, you know, how, how is that business partner relationship, um, worked for you? Like what, how did you guys meet in the first place? Um, And how did those, what did those conversations sound like when you decided to go into business together?
2: Yeah. So um, Brie and I met when I was working at that last agency. She lives in LA. um, And basically we just kept getting put on projects together. Her as the creative lead and me as the account client lead. And basically any project that I was on, she was on. And so we worked really closely together for about five years. Um, we worked on a campaign with Macy's and American Rag where we traveled all around the US and went to festivals together. So we really went from you know just meeting for the first time to being on the phone every single day together to traveling around the country for work and for pitches. Um, and we became best she's my best friend, and she's um, my daughter's godmother. So we're not only business partners, but we are best friends. Um, and basically, we, you know, that year when we both decided to leave the company, um we we wanted to take control of our future and our career. We wanted to not commute. We wanted to have more flexible, a more flexible schedule. Um, and also, I think there was a lot that we were pitching or being told to pitch that, we didn't really believe in. Um, And so part of of what we're doing with Laurel and Kent is really focusing in on what exactly we do and why we do it and um, and not really kind of offering services outside of that. You know, I think a lot of times um, some of these bigger agencies, not necessarily like influencer specific agencies, will go into a meeting and they'll try to sell you like a big campaign and an influencer activation and, Oh, we're going to build you a landing page too. And, um, it it kind of muddied the water a little bit for me. And I wanted to really focus on, on three things, which, which is paid social creative, um, influencer marketing and content creation. So I was
1: going to ask what are the areas that you guys are passionate about? Talk about those a little bit. I'd love to hear like, why those are passions of yours and some of your work. By yeah. the way, I'm obsessed with World Market, and so okay. when I saw <laughs> that you guys work with them, I was like, oh, I got to ask more about that. But maybe that could be an example. But I'd love to hear you know more about you know your focus areas and sort sure. of like, uh, your work in them.
2: Yeah, so you know social ad creation, social uh, paid social creative strategy was really the reason we started the company. Um, you know, Brie is a creative. She's a designer. So she really leads a lot of that. Um, but really that just came from our past work where we realized that a lot of brands don't really know what they're doing in terms of transcreation for social. Um, there's so many different placements. They're always changing. Um, creative really needs to change by target. Um, so it's very nuanced and we just really love it. So we decided to tackle that as one of the things that we would focus on. It's the work we do a lot. Is is that for world market? Um, and then we also, you know, part of part of the the paid social creative strategy is that we really love to pull from all different types of content sources. So we pull influencer content. We work with content creators. We work with photographers. Uh, we use brand assets. We use product assets. Um, and really, that's just about kind of looking at the, the complete pool of assets to pull from and decide, you know, what's going to work best on Instagram, because that's going to be different than what works on Facebook or um, Twitter or TikTok or the other channels. So knowing that those things are so interconnected, um, a lot of the, the paid social ads that we make for world market actually leverage influencer assets. So, um, talk to us a little mm-hmm. bit about that. There are definitely going to be some yeah. people listening,
1: uh, mm-hmm. who would be like, maybe I know conceptually that there's content, you know, that different content should be posted on each platform because sure. different audiences, different specs, different, all sorts yeah. of differences. Um, let's just talk about maybe even like Instagram and TikTok, like mm-hmm. if you could articulate, what seems to perform best on there, you know, how you distinguish content on, on those platforms, what would you say?
2: I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's really about who the brand is. Um, and so, you know, that really dictates a lot of those different decisions. I think, you know, we, we run a lot of video creative in our ads on Facebook and Instagram, um, as well as TikTok, but obviously the nature of the video is very different. Um, We do on Instagram a lot more uh, like slideshow type creative where we're featuring really beautiful assets and more of like a slideshow where you see one and then you see another and we pull in like branded assets like logos and things like that. Whereas on TikTok, it's more um, obviously a little bit more storytelling, um, uh, much more like edited video. And in that instance, we normally would use more what I like to call like social video, which is kind of like shot vertically, shot on an iPhone. It's not produced with like fancy cameras and things like that.
1: Cool. No, that yeah. makes so much sense. And I was curious about that for people who are listening, myself included, you know, what what sort of distinguishes them? And I, I'd love to, you know, and so you're saying that the social... Um, the social, uh, like white listing essentially, like paid advertising is something, um, that you guys tend to focus on and what other areas are sort of like specialties of yours.
2: Um, so we actually don't do a lot of white listing. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, what, what I'm talking about more is, is the brands paid campaigns that are running on social. Um, what we'll do is we'll work with influencers or content creators and they will shoot, photography, they'll shoot social video, um, that kind of thing. They'll make recipes and that kind of stuff. And then a lot of that content actually gets posted to their channels based on creative briefs that we build. But then we ingest all of those raw assets. And then what we, we call it trans creating. So we kind of create slideshows out of them. We add text overlays on top of them. And then all of that runs on the brand's campaign. So Mm -hmm. Um, I have done a lot of whitelisting campaigns in the past, um, but this is a little bit different. And I actually think that that's, uh, it's something that there's not a lot of clarity around, like what's possible, especially around when you're doing influencer campaigns and the content usage that you're asking for and how how you can really take those assets and do so much more with them um, other than just kind of like boosting posts and that kind of stuff, which is really what we're focused on. And that's why, You know, we we wanted to make social ads, but then we were like, it's so connected to content and to influencer as well. So, we should bring that service uh, forward also.
1: Got it. It's good to know that you know how much you guys distinguish them, and that there's you know definitely a you know another option out there and different path. Um, I'd love to dig in. You you made a comment um, I don't know a few minutes ago that. You this is a big pivot, so excuse that. But okay. I remember you saying that you weren't necessarily that good of a networker. You didn't consider yourself naturally inclined um to network, but yet you, <laughs> you know met your business partner at your prior agency. The fact that you have a business partner, obviously you had to network to some extent and you have yeah. a successful business. So you know, talk to, you know, this is a networking group and there are women in this group who run the gamut from social butterflies to more introverts. Like Mm -hmm. it sounds like yourself, myself included, you know, talk to us about just be, I'd love to hear your honest take on, you know, how you've navigated your career, maybe not necessarily feeling comfortable with networking, but I would assume maybe understanding the value prop of it. You know, how do you, Uh How have you navigated that personally?
2: I mean, I just in general tend to be more focused on like deeper relationships. You know, I don't have hundreds of friends. I don't really share my life on social media that much. So for me, and maybe, maybe I'm thinking about networking a little bit differently. Like when I think about networking, I'm like going to an event and talking to a bunch of people I don't know, which as someone that is, a little bit more introverted is intimidating for me, even as someone who is is older and has been in the industry for a long time. In the instance of my business partner or other people that I've worked for or with, it's more about just kind of those day-to-day conversations and and becoming friends and really understanding why someone's coming from a certain perspective is, is really been my focus, I guess, when it comes to networking is once I meet someone and I feel comfortable really kind of pushing that relationship and, and, and becoming friends and becoming a resource to each other. Um, but definitely, you know, like I said, I am a bit more introverted. I definitely tend to fall back on, oh, I can't go to that networking event that I signed up for tonight because you know I have all this work I need to do and I don't wanna go. And really that's just kind of being more nervous to kind of go talk to people that I've never talked to before. And yeah. so
1: let me also clarify, like yeah. I, I can relate to all of that. So I hope you don't feel like there's any judgment by any means yeah. because I, I'm like, I'm that girl who, you know, will be invited to something and like, it takes every ounce in, of me like to go because all I want to do <laughs> It's just, you said you're like, I'm a little bit of a grandma. I've said that so many times. (laughs) And how interesting it is that, you know, you lived in New York City, you know, for uh, over a decade and, you know, you're in this very social industry. What do you think it is? Like, what drew you to this industry in the first place?
2: Influencer specific. On my last job, it was like very digital, very social focused. Um, But obviously influencer marketing is really relevant to the social space. And a lot of times, like I would just get campaigns or projects dropped on me and they ended up being influencer over and over again. Um, And I felt like I had a, like a very specific point of view of like why I felt influencers were valuable. And I felt like it was a little bit different than, than other people in the industry or the way the industry thinks about it. So. What is so valuable about them to you? I think that um, a lot of times, and there is a ton of value in this, like there's such an emphasis on posting and sharing content and that kind of thing. And I'm really much more interested in content value and, you know, how can we leverage these social creators to make assets that are gonna perform on social channels because we already know they create them for those channels. Um, how can we have them create that content for the brand and, and be more efficient and also infuse more content into the brand's mix so that they have more to leverage? You know, there I've worked on a lot of campaigns where um, I could talk about it like as in top-down creative where, you know, there's a big TV ad and then there's the print ad and, and all of that content kind of gets used down, down the funnel or like it gets used in email and then it gets used, um, in social and it really doesn't have a place there. So I really felt like there was a lot of value in the space, um, beyond just, you know, talking about brands and talking about products and pushing links and things like that, but more so tapping these guys to be creative directors, to be content creators for brands, um, which isn't necessarily something new, but it is, we are hyper focused on it, um, And really from there, just how can we best use those assets and all the different placements, um, whether that be in campaign videos or in email marketing or the website, things like that. So
1: it's not something new, but it's certainly a tactic that very few people implement. And I've heard people say all day, every day, like, oh yeah, like the value of influencers here and there, yet they use them in the most like basic way. They're like, here's a creative brief that tells you how your photo should look, how your text should sound, but be creative, have fun. And then they have like 12 rounds of edits. A lot of that, of course, if I think about it, um, analytically is, you know, it's the idea that there needs to be a balance because the brand messaging needs to come through, but the influencer is their own brand. So their brand messaging needs to come through as well. And it's, it's a partnership of the truest sense. Um, but you know, to your point, it's like, why are you even going to hire an influencer? Like go to an agency and create, you know, some assets of your own. Like it's sort of the core of why you
2: go to an influencer. Right. I tend to think that when brands want to really over control creative or want them, they ask influencers to post their brand creative. They just really don't understand the space at all Um, because it is about creative freedom. It is about leveraging their own storytelling and, and how they talk to their audience and everyone's different. You know, some influencers, they don't like to get on stories, but that doesn't mean that they can't be effective in driving traffic. Um, So maybe they post more imagery and that kind of thing. So I think it's just about having that openness to their creative vision um, and making sure that you're working with people that understand, you know, it coming from the brand side. Like we don't want to hide the brand tag at the end of post copy. What is the point if no one's going to see it? Um, So, yeah, it's I we I'm a big believer in making sure that influencers have that creative freedom and can kind of take the brief and do um, what they think is right for their audience, how they can best tell the product story, that kind of thing. We're briefing in holiday uh, very soon and we've decided to activate with reels. And I cannot wait to see what type of content comes back because you know, obviously there's a creative brief and there are certain things that they have to do, like they need to be in it and um, the product has to be visible and things like that. But other than those guardrails, it's really just kind of like, you know, show us, show us how creative you can be. And I'm really, I can't wait to see what comes back from that.
1: I love that. And I love that after so many years, you're still so enthusiastic about the creativity of it all. And I think that's what, you know, I hope that more people think like you, um, because I feel like that's what, the joy of this industry is, you know, like, let's be real. There are definitely like, there's an underbelly of influencer marketing, right? Like, you know, fake followers and, you know, uh, just like the influencer pay gap. I mean, there's a lot of negative things about our industry for right. sure, but it's important to realize like what got us into it in the first place? Like what's the beauty of it? Like why, why even do it in the first place? And like, you know, the creative side of it is unbelievable. And when influencers, you know, sort of related to what you're talking about, even as a a mentor or mentee, but even just having the confidence to do your job well, like your work is just going to be incredible. And it's, it's, it's a business relationship. I can definitely see a correlation between, you know, an agency or a brand who hires an influencer and just like giving them creative, freedom to just fly and how you know just having that freedom that alone will allow them and give them the opportunity to do such good work, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's cool. I think it I, I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more of that so much. Um and I, uh, you know, I would also love to pick your brain a little bit about, um, you know, the recent expansion of your company. We've chatted about uh, hiring in this, po- on this podcast, uh, quite a bit and the complexities of it. Um, and just, it, it can be a challenge. Um, especially I would assume as a small business where this is your, you know, you have a six month old, but you also have however old your company is. Cause that's your child too. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as you've gone to market and recently hired someone, um, we were chatting about it before we started recording. I'm so happy to hear that it's been successful for you and I'm happy to hear um, what was that process sort of like and even just you know deciding that you're gonna hire somebody um, sort of coming up with what that person would do um, how just talk to us a little bit about that process
2: yeah so um, like I said it's me and my business partner mostly Um, I end up doing a lot of really executional work that is extremely time consuming. Um, So the decision to hire was really grounded in uh, securing a bunch of business for the second half of the year. And then also um, a need for me to pull myself away from influencer outreach, um, clipping posts, (laughs) tracking performance, that kind of stuff, so that we can really focus on growing our business. Because when I get too bogged down by those executional tests, I'm not able to really do any new business outreach. I'm not able to pitch um, and build strategy decks. So this is about, you know, alleviating me um, so that I can focus on growth and also, you know, obviously still be involved at every level, but um, have someone come in and kind of take over that part of our business for us. So that was really, you know, that part of, why we did that hire, but um, we do hire a lot of creative contractors as well on more of like a project by project basis. So um, we bring on designers and motion graphics artists and things like that whenever we need a lot of creative work done. So we, we kind of are taking it from a different approach depending on what the task is. You know, with creative, it's more of like, how can we hire someone for the next two weeks to build these ads for us? Um, but this recent hire was more about you know, taking us through the next six months, supporting me and allowing me to kind of elevate myself out of the minutia really, so that we can start, you know, winning new clients and doing new types of work.
1: And being able to have the confidence uh, to be able to, you know, know that the way to expand and the way to just do good work is to, you know, take it off your plate and delegate it. You know, that's huge. I'm going to make a broad generalization. I hate doing this, but I am going to do it. A lot of women tend to be perfectionists. Um, We want to have everything done a certain way. And, you know, look, there's pros to that, obviously. Like work product tends to be fantastic, but there are cons to that in that, you know, you're constantly... Filled with anxiety, or constantly overwhelmed, and perhaps you take on more than you should. Um, and so, it's wonderful to hear in your example that you know you're like as much as we, you know, we can do this. Maybe it's best for the big picture for us as humans, for our company, for our clients. Um, to delegate it and to grow. um, Because it's also, you know, you got to grow your company. You you should. I mean, not everybody's, I guess not everybody's goal is to grow their company. Maybe they're comfortable where they are. I I don't know what that feels like. (laughs) But I can imagine there's some people like that. But for most of us, you know, the idea is to continue growing. Um, So kudos to you guys for getting contractors, uh, and then in addition, like making this new hire. And it's so great to hear that our uh, recruiting services worked well for you guys. i
2: very excited about that. I, you know, had been trying to figure out where I was going to find this person, specifically knowing that I am not a great networker and I don't have like a ton of young women to kind of tap into And I remembered your group and I thought, well, I bet I could do a job posting there and get a few responses. And the response was pretty overwhelming, which, you know, the the hire was, is a part-time role for the next six months, you know, with no benefits. So I wasn't expecting to get the type of response. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's fueled by the situation of the world right now. Um, A lot of people are looking for work, but... I was excited to get so many responses from a lot of people, young women in particular, that were enthusiastic about the opportunity, about the industry. And, you know, obviously someone ended up standing out to me.
1: That's huge. And, um, you know, it, it sure, it is, Of course I would imagine a, a product of the situation that we're in right now, that there's a lot of incredible people out there who, for no fault of their own, right. are looking for work, um, which is the most unique situation out there. Um, but I hope that employers really Um, I hope that they, they're excited by that because it's an opportunity to maybe get your hands on this incredible talent who may have, you know, been wrapped up in another incredible opportunity, but for some reason they're on the market. Um, And just to you know, be open to that, and um, and I hope excited by that because there's a lot of really great talent out there right now. Um, so we ask this question of everybody who comes on the podcast. I'm super excited to ask you, Claire. What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional
2: or a personal advantage today? I think more than anything. I wish that I would have told myself that I really knew what I was doing. I don't necessarily wish that someone else would have told me that because I've learned over the years that for the most part, everyone's just making it up as they go. Um, I think there's this big illusion that there's a specific way everything has to be done. And there's only a few people that really know how to do it. And I learned over, over time that you know, it's just about making it up and having confidence that what you think is right and being able to articulate that to whomever you need to articulate it to. I think you know, in some of my past roles, like while there were great advocates for me, um, there were definitely people that, that put me down and pushed, pushed my ideas away and it, it really hurt my confidence. And it took years, to be totally honest with you, to pull myself out of it. Um, and in retrospect, I did know what I was doing. And a lot of what I was pitching is happening now. It's like, it's Reels type content, it's story type content. You know, whereas five or six years ago, there were no Instagram stories. And we were, I was trying to, you know, pitch this stuff and would get put down a lot And I think I wish I would have had the confidence within me to not really need other people to tell me that I was right, but to just, but to just know that I was. And it's hard to get there,
1: you know, like, do you think that if someone had told you your younger self that,
2: that, and it would have changed anything? I mean, I'm sure that it would have, but, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, you kind of spoke to the fact that the roles have flipped where younger people now really understand the space. So um, I'm not sure that they would have even had the ability to tell me that the way I was thinking about something was right because they didn't understand social the way that I intimately did. And now the generation you know after me will understand it more than I could ever imagine, even, even though I'm on my phone all day. 100%. And you know, that's totally valid and I love that so much
1: I know that women listening to this podcast are going to absolutely want to get in touch with you, network with you, because despite what you think, you are a great networker. If you networking with anybody else is going to be a conversation like this, you're perfect at it. Like you're fantastic. It's been such a really nice hour connecting with you. And so I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to want to reach out. What's the best way for them to get in touch?
2: I think the best way is to follow our business's account on Instagram. It's at Laurel and Kent. And then if you want to reach out, you can just DM us there and someone will get back to you. Perfect. It's so great to hear
1: all about, you know, your professional journey and learn from you. And I think that you guys are doing incredible work. It's also very appreciated that you've been so open and honest with us in the past hour and inspiring to see like all the incredible successes that you've had. So thank you for joining us today, Claire. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure joining as well. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for
2: listening.
1: Tune in next week. Tune in next
0: week. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive-thru workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed Full Apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.